Hey everybody, it's Janella, Mo, and Samantha, and we're back with another episode that you don't want to miss on the Deeper Than Tech podcast, where we talk about how to grow your career in an industry that was not designed with us in mind. In today's episode, we are talking about unconscious bias and why you have to do all this training at your job. In a white male dominant tech workspace, it's important to know how it can affect you and how it might be affecting others. But before we begin, we would love it if you share this podcast with a friend or a coworker. Unconsciously biased people can do good things, but they don't understand the reality of the situation they're in or why they're doing what they're doing. On Google, the definition of unconscious bias are when social stereotypes that certain groups of people that individuals form outside their own conscious awareness. What do y'all think unconscious bias is? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that it is our, and I, I hate to say naturally, but it's almost like you just naturally change your tone or you naturally do certain things to people, to yourself, depending on who you are around. I mean, it's just it's stereotyping, but naturally stereotyping. How I put it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're unknowingly doing these things. And it, sometimes it comes from just you are unaware of the different culture types or you are uncomfortable. And when you're uncomfortable, sometimes that comes off as a bias. It can be unintentional, but it still has some harmful effects. Yeah, I agree. I feel like sometimes people in the workplace, at least, are probably never around Black people. And now they're seeing Black people in the workplace and their perspective might just be off of television, like a stereotypical character and they're coming in and they think saying certain things is okay because they see it on television. So like, but it's not okay in the workplace or not okay in general. So that's to me is like sometimes don't know that it's wrong because they see it on television. Please don't look at me as loving hip hop, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> look, I love loving hip hop, but I'm here to work. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This also transcends. I know we say, you know, like white people or Caucasian people, but it's also transcending through, you know, especially in tech companies, we have a lot of people who are international. So international, you know, they may have also be from the African diaspora, but they just happen not to be familiar with Black American culture. So they can just only pick up those things that they get from, unfortunately, reality TV, which is really popular and sometimes put that on us. Why is unconscious bias a problem? I feel like we kind of answered this a little bit, but like, why is it a problem? I think it's a problem because you miss out on relationships sometimes. I feel like, you know, some of the people that I've worked with at times, some are, like you said, international. And when I say international, I mean like from India and they have even darker skin than me. And because they are not African-American, I may have my unconscious bias of thinking of, you know, what type of person they are. But a lot of Indians, especially of darker color, they identify as black. <laughs> So sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, you know, they identify as a people of color, too. They are. But I think that we kind of go down the rabbit hole. I'm thinking people don't identify as a person of color sometimes because of all the craziness in the world. And we forget that. So I think it's a problem because you just miss out on the relations or the, the commonalities that you may have with people and, you know, the, just the good conversations that you could have. With yeah, them. and these intentional biases, they can also put a person into a caricature. And then when you're only looked at as either somebody who is two-dimensional and not as a whole person, 
it makes it hard for them to be more empathetic towards you when you're having issues at the workplace or to be able to just communicate to you one-on-one as just, you know, human to human. It makes it very difficult because they see you more as a character than an actual person. So we keep talking about the workplace. Should the workplace be responsible for tackling unconscious bias? It's the perfect place to tackle it, honestly, because you are forced to watch any type of training videos. And then you have options to go to, you know, those ethnicity groups, you know, (laughs) that you can learn more. But I think, you know, in in your day to day, you out with your friends, you may not feel like going into other cultures. And I'm sure other cultures don't feel like doing it either. I'm not going to put that on them. So the workplace is the perfect place to, you know, give them that education. I agree with her. It's exactly that. If not in a workplace, then where else? Because how often are you going to come across different people from different sections of life or just different cultures? That's rarely going to happen. And when it does happen, it happens in a short chance. But when you're in a workplace, this is where you're predominantly spending most of your time. We're talking more than eight to 10 hours a day. So if these kind of things are not addressed at the workplace, it's going to make it difficult for not only you as a person trying to get your job done, but as the whole team to accomplish their business mission or whatever the company goals are. You have to tackle this first before everybody can be effective. I have definitely taken many trainings at my job, about (laughs) too many to be in fact, but I'm surprised I don't actually get a hundred on every single training. I'm thinking somebody who is like a minority would be like, oh, I understand the differences between cultures, but it's not. Like I think just because I'm a person of color, I still have to respect other people of color who have a different background. So otherwise, if I don't do it at work, I definitely am not gonna be going outside of work to watch some boring videos. <laughs> but also the unbiased training, I know we keep harping on you know people of color, of course, because that's us. That's what we have to deal with every day. But we also can look at that training to look into other cultures, you know, like, although I I think we are familiar with white culture, you know, American culture, as they say all the time, it is good to go those kind of training things to understand, like, how Northerners might be different from Southerners or how some people might think the Confederate flag is okay. We're not going to tackle that. But to understand why they might see that as a symbol of pride and not a symbol of hate. Those are certain things that we can understand so we can all come to the middle and try to talk about it together. Do you think tech has a diversity problem? It's a big question, I know, but is there a diversity problem? I'm going to let Mo go first. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a diversity problem? I mean, if there wasn't, would we be having this podcast? Fair enough. Just saying. I I mean, (laughs) I think there's a diversity problem. I think that most of the time we don't want to address it because it makes a lot of people uncomfortable or people don't know how to properly address it. I think there's plenty of talent that comes from different walks of lives. Humans are just used to similarities, assimilation. They always feel closer to people who might look or talk or speak or just, you know, do things very similar to them. So that naturally cancels out other people that are different. So there's a diversity problem. It's sometimes unintentional, but it's something that we're still addressing now. This has been happening since the 90s, since tech got big. I definitely believe there is a problem. We could have more diversity. But I think it was Samuel L. Jackson or one of them, Morgan Freeman, where he said, if we stop talking about it, there will not be, right? And I feel like it's kind of a caveat because there are Black people in tech. There's a lot of us. But I feel like if we keep banging down the door and saying that there's not, then it's kind of like it gives an 
image as if there's not? When are we going to have at least 50% of the conversation of saying that there are and we're popping and we're booming and there's a lot of us coming in? It becomes a bigger problem, at least from what I've seen. And I know y'all have seen like those little pyramids where it's like, oh, we're diverse down here. But as we get to the top, it's not as diverse. And I think that is the spot where it's a major problem. You spoke about the top. Do you think diversity starts at the top and funnels down or like it could be from the bottom and then diversity gets funneled up to the top? I think we've started from the bottom all these years and it hasn't happened yet. So I say from the top, like we have to start establishing our own companies. I mean, even the businesses that we run, like, you know, it's happening. But as far as on a bigger level, you know, like the places that we work, these big corporations, how do we do that? Because that's long money, right? That's stuff from 60s and 70s that were started back then. So how can we get that head start? Like we didn't have a head start. It has to start from the top. Like leadership has to start from the top with inclusion and diversity. Because when you don't do it that way and you're bringing in everybody that's supposed to be diverse on the bottom, what you're starting to, to implement is more of a caste system. And then we start to see, oh, all of our people that are enablers that help us that don't make decisions are going to be people of color. And that becomes like a stereotype in people's minds. I mean, I kind of look at it as when you actually, when we didn't have remote work and we actually had to go to a physical building. My thing was... I I had a hard time explaining. One of my coworkers was, she's a white German female, software engineer also. She didn't understand what I was trying to buy about diversity. Like it's something because it didn't affect her. She kind of didn't see it. And it wasn't to be hurtful and intentionally hurtful towards me, but she really couldn't see it. So the way that I had her visualize it was as we were walking through the building, we were coming from our office and then we're walking through where you can see all the maintenance people, housekeeping, and then we'll walk through and then we went to the cafeteria to get lunch and then to go back. But as we did this little walk, I said, just be mindful of who looks like me in this building. Are they all in leadership? Do you see their pictures on the wall? Or are they more doing service type of work? And she started noticing that the janitor was black, that the secretary at the front was black, that the whole kitchen crew was black, but everybody in our office was white and I was the only one that looked like me there. And then it, it kind of hit her then, like, we have diversity, but the diversity is not in the places that make a mission difference. Me too, me too. Okay, another tough question for y'all. What are some strategies and solutions to help support diversity? We're talking leadership and what we can do in our own little pocket. Let's just say what we can do in our pocket, because that's what we have control over today. I think bringing yourself to work is like a small but major key because if I continue to code switch in spaces or hee hee at things that I'm uncomfortable with, I'm not doing anything at all. So without being, you know, a sore thorn or the cartoon, what we the character that we were talking about, without going all the way, just politely telling folks, you know, hey, I was uncomfortable with that, or literally speaking how I speak with my friends. That's one small way that anybody can do in any workplace that they don't like it's diverse being your authentic black self (laughs) at work (laughs) great can you explain what code switching is in case some people don't know that term yeah so showing up to work and having to change your voice maybe even laughing at jokes that are not funny to you liking things that you do not like just trying to fit into a group of people because it can be any type 
of people by changing yourself or switching the way that you are? I would say the same thing. Just being present, being there. Like you don't understand how much it means if you're vocal about what you're experiencing in the workplace. I mean, especially if you can do it tactfully, not saying that you have to code switch or that you have to be very timid or not say anything at all. But if you are able to, you know, let them know how you feel as a person, then people will listen, especially if you are doing good work, you're doing what you're supposed to do. And you're not just causing the commotion, but you're just drawing attention and awareness to where the problems lie. So do y'all think people tend to hire and promote those who are most like themselves? That's a 50-50. It all depends on the company culture. No, because you mentioned similarities and just that natural connection that you may have with someone like that comes before you even realize that they're a good candidate for the job. Like it's an energy thing, right? So if I'm already having this key, key conversation with you, I'm already comfortable as a hiring manager or whatever. Then here comes your experience. And I may be jaded by the fact that we both like Pokemon. I don't know. And not realize, oh, you may not have as many skills as the next person that does not look like me. So, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. At my job, we have this thing called a culture fit. So I feel like if I, I know you gave me the side eye with that one, but I feel like if I. Is that the culture fit or is that the bro fit? The tech bro. Well, since I'm interviewing, maybe it's more of a culture fit because I don't have the tech bro personality. But I know if I'm like really vibing with that person, I could say yes on that checkbox. Yes, they have a good culture fit. So I think we kind of do hire people that we tend to have similarities with, right? Like if I talk to somebody who I'm like not really vibing with, do I check yes on that? They could be a perfectly good person, but are they a culture fit for me? I don't know. Can we define culture fit? Because maybe I'm not understanding what cultural fit means then. Is it cultural fit for the company or cultural fit means it's more for the team? Like what you feel would be good for who you want to work with? I would say more for the company, but these people I usually interview with are going to be people I interact with on a day-to-day basis. So I personally do it based on, can I hang out with them? I know it's really bad to say as an interviewer, because you're not supposed to do that. But at the end of the day, can I hang out with this person? Can I see myself not causing any problems with this person? So that's a culture pit to me. I can see that. But, you know, sometimes I think that companies take their aesthetic really far. I don't know if y'all have seen the Abercrombie and Finch documentary on Netflix. If you haven't, you should watch it. But it goes into how the CEO had a look that he was going for and was drilling that down, got into so much trouble. But companies, especially tech companies, because we're so savvy and, oh, this is Facebook or this is Google. Like, I don't know how they are because I don't work there. But I think the aesthetic, some companies feel like they have to live up to the hype. And so they make may apply that culture fit maybe in more of a negative way to that too when they're hiring. I don't want to deep dive too much into this because I just, I haven't had, maybe because I'm coming from a military and a government sector where we don't have that option to say, yeah, we like this person or they're going to be a cultural fit as a factor if they're going to be hired or not. That's something that's new to me. So that's why I was like, wait, 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 what does cultural fit mean? So My only question about that is if you feel comfortable with this person and you vibe with them, can you be applying unintentionally unconscious bias because you might be more comfortable with another software engineer that's female, that's a woman coming in, or you might be more comfortable with somebody who's more diverse culture, or you might not want to hire a guy who looked like he just came straight from MIT because you might assume that they are going to be a little more cocky on the team. 
I think because our interview system is very much the same for everybody, every single person, like we ask them exactly the same questions, we ask them exactly the same follow-up questions. If that person can answer everything correctly, they are fit for the job. I think just having that checkbox saying they're a culture fit would probably get somebody who isn't very strong technically a little bump up. Because I remember interviewing somebody who was maybe more on the entry level side, but they were so personable, they were so friendly, they wanted to learn, they wanted to actually be part of the company, that it made me like give them more points because they wanted to be there. I just felt better. Like somebody who was like very down all the time, maybe I don't want to work with them, but they could be very technically strong. I don't know, I feel like I'm saying too much. I'm gonna get in trouble with my job. But... Oh, <laughs> no, okay. it's okay, it's fine, it's fine. Editing, this has been an editing floor. Do editing, not make editing. it up. I'm just interested in that. But no, no. Why should companies put so much energy towards inclusive work culture? You want your team to work. You want them to be able to understand each other. I mean, we're not gonna all hold hands and skip down a hall as we're, you know, putting together code and making the next project. But you want people to be able to communicate with, to each other with respect. And that's what a lot of diversity and inclusion does. It just knocks on those barriers so you don't have anybody doing, what is it called? What is it called? It was um, unintentional racism, but... Unbiased or unconscious unbiased. Say it again. Or unconscious bias. No, no, but it's, um, there's another term. When you do microaggressions, you want to, you know... So having a lot of diversity and having the company focus on diversity will avoid or possibly eliminate things like microaggressions. Did I say microaggressions? Will <laughs> help eliminate microaggressions, stereotyping, and things that would make it uncomfortable for somebody who's highly talented and should be on the team. Ah, yo, ooh, we even hit on that. Wow. I agree. I, I'm, And I'm also at the point where most of us are remote. You're in my home. I want to feel comfortable. Well, I just feel like we are starting to be a little more realistic in the workplace as well. I'm here most of my day. I want to be friends. I mean, we don't have to be besties, but I want to feel like I'm walking into a place where I'm accepted. I don't have to code switch or whatever for eight hours, especially being remote. I'm sitting in my kitchen. I don't want to feel like I'm in my kitchen talking to a stranger. Like, let's have some type of real life conversation. Like, I don't want to have to put on that front with anybody, you know? We don't want to go to work uncomfortable. So if we have everybody at the same level, that'd be perfect. This was a very great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Deeper Than Tech Podcast. We would love if you tag us on social media to let us know that you're actively listening. And we would love to hear your feedback. So thanks so much, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.